honor to God. Grateful for this worship experience in this moment. Um, before I begin, I um, want to explain something very important. Um, in the live stream right now in the chat, um, they were joining with you talking about favorite Thanksgiving dishes. And uh, Dr. Poe asked a question, I'm going to answer it for her. She said, what are, and you know when it's typed out, you read it and you go chitterlings, but it's chitlins. <laughs> so, so Dr. Poe, I want to tell you, chitlins are pig intestines and they're disgusting. So if you see them run, I don't care how much hot sauce they pour on that, you don't want no parts of it. Amen. Amen. All right. <laughs> we give glory and honor to God. We're thankful for the opportunity to share with you on today. Um, I want to get into some um, what I consider fundamental principles in the word this morning. Um, the writer of Hebrews put it like this when talking to his target audience. He said, at this point in time, uh, you should be eating solid food. Um, but when I think about where we are in this period of transition for new life and all the things we've experienced and what we're going through, I think some moments you have to make sure uh, based on where we are in our spiritual growth and maturity, that sometimes we do need some milk. We need just to get back to some of the fundamentals. So I want to share uh, some fundamentals with you on today uh, that I think will help you then build on a foundation that will take you uh, to growing to that maturity level. Um, when, when you eat things that you aren't prepared for um, developmentally, um, it, it impacts you because you can't properly digest it. That's just the way your body's function. So if you give an infant a T-bone steak, they're, they're not going to be able to do much with that. Amen? And I, I think what uh, sometimes occurs for us is in this attempt to appear deep, we sometimes overtax new believers with things that they can't actually digest. Uh, and it doesn't help you mature and grow because if, if you don't actually retain and understand uh, what you've heard, um, it, it, it just sits there on the plate in front of you, but if you don't eat it and you're not nourished by it and we don't break it down, it doesn't help you. So I, I want to spend some time with some fundamentals today. Uh, it, it's odd to me because I think, and, and this is a problem for, for most preachers, it was a problem for me as well. You know, we spend a lot of time in study and preparation and in making sure uh, we have done our due diligence, um, but I think sometimes we get to the point where we're trying to prove we study, 
rather than giving you what you can digest. You, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you get there and, and the sermon is so complex, you're like, I didn't bring my thesaurus today. I just, I just had a Bible. I don't, I don't know half of what you just said. I, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to take out of that because there were so many syllables, my eyes crossed. I, y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, we, we, we go into these things and, and we take simple stuff and make it more complicated than it needs to be. So we'll say something like, you know, I matriculated into an institution of higher learning. And after diverse times and sundry seasons, it was bequeathed upon me evidentiary proof of my accomplishments in the form of certification, proving that I had completed my area of expertise. It's like, that sounds good, but all you just said is I enrolled in college and graduated. Just keep it simple. That's, I didn't need the whole, just to keep, keep it simple. So I, I want to keep it simple today. Amen. So, so join me in Ephesians chapter 5. And I want to begin reading at verse 1. And I want to pull out some simple truths for you this morning. And if you would, stand with me for the reading of the word. I know sometimes we, we, we tease, um, like when um, Ryan read, like, 20 verses a couple weeks ago we teased, but in, in the Old Testament in Nehemiah where um, they actually, this whole principle of standing for the reading of the word uh, kind of develops from, when they rediscovered the law after coming back from Babylonian captivity, they took the book of the law out and the priest Ezra read the word and they all stood for the reading of the word. He read the entire Pentateuch, he read the whole first five books of the Bible. And they stood while he read all. So anybody just give you 10, 15 verses, you should just be like, oh, I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> it's like we're going to read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy this morning. No, I've just got five verses for you, amen. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 1, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater, has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. 
May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his most holy word. You may be seated. I want to talk to you this morning from the subject entitled Replacing Greed with Gain. I want to talk about replacing greed with gain. You have that on your handouts and in your notes. So that makes it simple for you. If you don't hear anything else I say today, if somebody asks you what was church about, what did they talk about, you just need that one sentence and it will look like you paid attention the rest of the time. Oh, he was talking about replacing greed with gain. Just get nervous when they hit the follow-up question and they say, well, how do you replace greed with gain? And then you realize all the rest of your notes are blank. That, that. <laughs> well, you know, you switch them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I have jokes this morning. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this time of fellowship. We thank you for your word. I ask right now, dear God, that you would remove me from self, that you would speak through me directly to the needs of your people, that you would illuminate your word for us. Let your anointing pour forth in this place and let the proclamation of your truth change our hearts, change our lives, change our condition. In Jesus' name, amen. So this topic this morning is something that I've been wrestling with for a couple of years now. Um, And I actually wrote the initial outline for this sermon back in uh, 21. So I've been stewing on this for a while. Um, and, And what I have discovered is that sin, which is our universal issue and condition, is usually tied not to the actions we talk to you about, but the motivations of why you seek sinful behavior out. And what the problem for most of us is, is when you get saved, we ramble off the list of things you're not supposed to do, but we don't actually explain why you're not supposed to do them, and we don't explain the impact of doing them, And because you don't have an understanding of it, you just think, man, Christianity is really not fun. These people are just so strict and have so many rules. And it's not really about rules and regulations because that would just give you a religion. And religion is useless. Religion is worthless. Religion is the opposite of what God wants for you. What do you mean by that? I thought we were supposed to be religious people. No, you're supposed to be holy people. You're supposed to be the called out of God. What he wants for you is to transform you into who you should be. Not to give you a bunch of rules and regulations so you can appear like it but never have changed on the inside. What God wants for us is not just that we can follow the letter of the rules because then we could have just stayed in Judaism and in the Old Testament. He said, I want you to get beyond the rule book and get to the heart of the why. I'm trying to transform you and make something new in you. I want to just change you at a fundamental level, because who you are before Christ is not what God has planned, purpose, and designed for you for. 
God wants to do something different in you. That's the whole reason for salvation. Do you think that God said, I'm going to take the only one of my kind? That's what only begotten son means. It doesn't just mean, oh, the only son he gave birth to. It means the only one of his kind. The only one of the same species. The only one of the same substance. He's saying, Jesus is me. And I'm going to take the only one that is me, my word, my authority, my everything. And I'm going to send it down here on earth, let it be born of a woman, walk in a human body, tempted in all points just as you are. But because he is me, he will know no sin and will never cave to that temptation so that he can go to Calvary's cross, die a substitutionary death. I hit you with a big word just to mess with you. God is going to stand in the gap and be a replacement for you and die instead of you to wash away the sin that has changed you, but the purpose is to set you free from it. So what good is coming here and saying, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and then you still remain chained, bound, and enslaved to the things he came to free you from? And what most of us need to begin to understand is confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord is not the end of the process. I know somebody told you, just say Jesus is Lord and you're going to heaven and you've just been kicking back ever since. Whew, glad I said that, I'm safe. <laughs> no, 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 no. Paul said, if you will confess in your mouth and faith in your heart, the Lord Jesus and that God has raised him from the dead, meaning there is power here, you shall be saved. Future tense. You have to go through a process of being set apart for God. You're not supposed to stay like you were when you showed up. So here's a question for you this morning. How different are you from the first day you ran up to the altar and got your yes box and said, yes, I, I believe in Jesus and we prayed with you and you started this journey. How different are you? You still go to the same places? You still use the same curse words? You still sleeping with the same people that aren't your spouse? How different are you? Because what the text here says in Ephesians 5, Paul says these things should not even be named amongst those who are called according to this great name. There should be no impurity. There should be no sexual immorality. There should be none of those things because something in you should have transformed and changed. You have been set free and the power of the blood of Christ is able to break the chains of whatever you've had going on in your life. So here's the problem. If you're no different but there's power, why haven't you gotten the power to get different? Why haven't you made a transition to be what Christ has set you free to be? If you're calling on that name, why are you still in the same place? 
If you called on that name, why are you still living the same life? Why hasn't that taste for it left you? Why are you still stuck with what you already were? Because you believe he came and you believe he died, but you don't believe you can be different. which means you don't actually have trust in the power of God. Because even when you came and said, I confess Jesus Christ is Lord, you said, but I still don't think you're going to do nothing with this mess. And so you were faithless at the same time you were confessing with faith. I got enough revelation from Holy Spirit to understand I need Jesus. But I don't know how to apply that Jesus to my life to fundamentally change anything. And so I'm stuck. As Paul said, I find this law at work in me that when I would do good, evil is always present. Because I'm still in the same body with the same desires and the same sinful nature and the same things that I want to do. And I keep chasing after these things I don't need in my life. And when I would do good, evil is always present. So the good I want to do, I don't do. And the evil I don't want to do, I find myself doing. And I'm at war and conflict and I don't know how to win the fight. Well, how do you win? I don't know, I guess I just need to shout harder on Sunday. Anything yet? So let me talk to you about the root cause. Let's get to the meat and potatoes here real quick. Why are you still sinning? Why are you not holy? You're greedy. You're greedy, and a greedy person can't inherit the blessing of God. Greed is the source of close to probably, I want to say, 80 to 95% of our issues. It's greed. What? I don't know. I've read a lot of scripture. I don't remember talking about greed that much. Well, I know because in the King James text where, where, where it says greed, we translated it covet. And you didn't even know what covet meant. Covetousness. <laughs> Thou shalt not covet. All right. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I guess I won't do it. No, you do it every day. So let me break it down for you and make it milk. You stop being greedy. What is, what is greed? What is greed? Greed is the desire to have more than you need. It's the desire to have more than you need and the desire to have it so much you're willing to do whatever it takes to get it or to take it from someone else who has it. So let me ask you. How many of you here today can be honest and say, you've been hungering for more than what you need? I, can, I, can, can we shoot straight this morning? I am greedy. 
I am a greedy human being. I know this now. I fooled myself for years putting on the act in the front at church, but I am a greedy individual. I understand it now. When they say like the love of money is a root to all kinds of evil, because what they're talking about isn't just money, it's, it's, it's the greed part. It doesn't matter if it's money that you're greedy for. The problem is just the greed, and it could be things other than money. Power, authority, position, prestige. We run around here talking so bad about preachers. You know all these pastors have a scandal like every other week. You know why pastors fall so often? It's not just because, oh, all preachers are hypocrites and the gospel's not real. No, it's that there's a fundamental flaw in the people we put in pulpits. They're greedy. What do you mean, Pastor Philip? I mean that the reason they got in the pulpit in the first place was because they had a greed for the prestige and the position of being in the platform in front of you. And their motivation was never the gospel, it was about the position. And then when you're hungry for the position and you get it, then once that is yours, then you have to continue to feed your ego of how deserving you are of it. And your greed continues to make you a monster. And then you start abusing the very people you're supposed to be shepherding because you're not there to do all the dirty work of taking care of the flock. You're there for them to serve you and make you feel better and to pay for your car and to pay for your jet and to make you feel like you're important in somebody. And you've got to put on all these airs and standards and live above them because you believe that because this platform is elevated somehow you are and greed drives them to sin but what's done in dark comes to light and then when God shines that flashlight on it and exposes them we go see I knew it you blaming Jesus because you sat under a greedy man for years. Let me ask this for all of you who have been hurt by church folk who have done you wrong in their greed. Where was your spiritual gift of discernment to understand their motivations weren't right when you were sitting there Sunday after Sunday? It ain't just them who held them accountable. Who checked them and said, hey, you're going too far. You're drifting left. Hey, you shouldn't be having that meeting with that woman in your office by yourself. And don't nobody know. Hey, the, 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 you are setting yourself up for faith. Where was the accountability? You didn't care about holding them accountable as long as they shouted you happy. this because I hang out with preachers I went to seminary I lived in a building full of preachers I went to a Christian college and I will say this with absolute assurity there were only three people on that campus that I'm now sure were saved at the time we were there studying. Two of them were professors, 
and one was a student, and that student was not me. Because I know I wasn't right in retrospect. Back then, you couldn't tell me nothing. But we were driven by greed. Everybody wanted their platform. Everybody wanted their position. Everybody wanted the pats on the back after they delivered a good message. Everybody came there lusting for something. Let me break this down for you uh, because I don't want to belabor the time too long, but I I just need y'all to understand this, that greed is the source of the issues. What was the first sin? The first opposition to God. When we say sin, it's not about the rules or the, it's about a heart. It's about you turning your back on God's holiness to get something for yourself. The first sinner was Satan. Isaiah says that the day star fell because he looked at the throne of God that he was supposed to cover with worship and praise and thought, I should be able to stand next to that as his equal because I'm so beautiful and I'm so wonderful and I'm so intricate. But that was how God designed him. And God didn't design him to be him or to replace him. But he got greedy enough to think, I deserve a higher place than what I was created for. And he got kicked out. And then God said, let us make man in our image. And man fell. Because Satan tempted him with his own sin. The first sin, greed. Did God say you won't die if you eat from the tree? No, he just knows it will give you wisdom and knowledge and make you more like it will elevate you that's why y'all get caught up in so many cults and sex and all this stuff people just tell you anything keeping itching ears to you telling you how great you're going to be and how wonderful you're going to be and 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 you just eating it up y'all running around with crystals and voodoo and everything just trying to make anything just make you feel more spiritual so you can feel like you on some other level and you still ain't nobody it's greed I gotta have more I gotta be high I gotta I got let, let me let, let me bring this home For those of you who haven't heard my testimony and don't know this, I'm an adulterer. Because I walked into a relationship and I entered into a covenant I wasn't capable of keeping. Because I wasn't willing to confess my own greed. So God sent me this wonderful woman, this fabulous individual, and I continued to betray her trust because I couldn't admit my own weaknesses because the greed of my pride would never let me admit that Reverend Trank had an issue and was addicted to pornography. I could never, that you keep all your dirt in the closet and just look holy. And I put on my suit and tie and rolled into the Baptist church and was like, 
but inside. Whitewashed walls, gravestones of all the stuff buried inside of me that's still dead and decaying. Was it just lust that drove me to the affair? Just, oh, the flesh? No. I had an affair and it wasn't even about sex. It was about greed. And now I understand this looking back. Why all the flirting? Why all the, all the, why putting yourself in all of these compromised situations? Because I had a need to be desired. I was broken from my youth, and, and that brokenness had me just in this need of saying, somebody has to want me. And when somebody finally wanted me and said, I do, I said, that's not enough. I need more validation. Greedy. Who else desires me? Who else will inflate my ego? Who else will put me on a pedestal and let me know I'm worth something? And God was saying, I know you're worth something. I want to make you something better. And instead of taking what he was offering me, I went and chased it for myself to try to fill the void in me. But only God could fill the void in my soul. Only God could heal the brokenness in my soul. Only God could transform and change it. But in my greed, I chased everything but him. Because if you chase after him, you have to actually admit you're broken. You have to expose and your, your, your mess. So real quick, so I can move to a close, I need to tell you three quick things about greed that will help you. First and foremost, first thing you need to understand, greed is blocking your blessings. If you're right now saying, God, why haven't you? I want you to look beyond what you're asking for and look at the root cause. If you are still corrupted by greed and you want it for all the wrong reasons, why should God be answering your prayers? Lord, bless my ministry. No, I don't want anybody under you. Lord, when are you going to elevate me and give me a platform? I, I want to bury you under the platform right now. I, that's not what I want. You're still broken, and you think the way to prove you're not broken is by having other people sitting under you, pumping you up, and it's not that. Jesus said, I proved my strength in my weakness. And if you can't be honest about where you're greedy and where you are, it's always going to block your blessings. Look at this scripture in James. James 4.3. Y'all have it so they can all see it. Maybe. No. Uno momento, por favor. All right. I will flip. Anybody? This is what happens when you rely on technology and then your battery dies. <laughs> this is why Pastor Steve always tells us, bring your paper Bible. Because you're not sitting here and then your battery dies and you're like, I don't have a word anymore. 
I brought the Bible with all the sticky pages. James 4.3. Let me put this in your hearing. When you ask, you do not receive. Y'all hear this. When you ask, you do not receive. Because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. God wants to know not what you're asking for, but why you're asking for it. And so when God decides whether or not to answer a prayer, what he's looking for is why you're praying. Not what you said, why you said it. Have you even stopped to ask why you're asking God for the stuff you're asking for? Why do you want it? Lord, if I could only get a house, you don't clean your apartment. Lord, if you would just bless me with this new car that you can't afford, that you won't pay the bill for, that's going to drive you deeper into debt, why do you need the status symbol? If the other one is still getting you to work, what are you greedy for? What's, what's really the reason to spend it upon what? Even some of the stuff we pray for that seems so, so motivated by our, our heart. Lord, if you'd only bless my, bless, t touch my spouse, touch. Why? Because I want them to do more of the work so I can chill. What about his soul? Get, you can get his soul later. Just get him to do. <laughs> What's your motivation? And listen, I said this on Friday night at our married life group. I want to say this real quick in your hearing. Uh, women, I, I just want to give you a special word tonight. Give your husbands a little bit of grace. Because your men have been programmed from birth to be the opposite of what you actually need as a husband. They've spent their entire lives being molded into this definition of what manhood is. And it's everything that is opposite of what the Bible says they're supposed to be as a man, a husband, as a father. And so if you spent your whole life trying to be tough, trying to be hard, filled with that machismo, driven by your pride, thinking that everything is about how strong you can act when it's really about how vulnerable you can be and how open you can be and how weak you can expose yourself to being. Yes, exposing your weakness to your spouse. If you could only learn that it's about how you humble yourself, not how you exalt yourself. And so they have to relearn a lifetime about manhood before they can be the husband that you need. So give them a sprinkle some grace on them. Because you're not going to undo in a day what's been programmed in them for a lifetime. He won't act right. He doesn't know what right is. You both got to the altar, exchanged your vows in greed, and you didn't even know what half the stuff you said when you entered into that covenant meant. <laughs> I 
Do you promise to love, honor, and cherish? Yeah. Sounds good. For better, for worse? Yeah, because it's all going to be good. It's it's more worse. (laughs) For richer, for poorer? You didn't know you was going to be that broke when you said it. Listen, I know it's fun, I know you're being funny, but but more marriages break up over finances than adultery and any other sin. Is you'll leave them for poor quick. Stay in your covenant. It's blocking greed. Is blocking your blessing. It's blocking it. And so if you want to get blessed, you have to deal with the source. Deal with this greed in me. I I see the clock. Okay. So how do I start to remove this greed and replace it by gaining what I actually need from the kingdom of God? Second thing I need you to know is by confession. Greed is consumed by confession. So when they ask you, how do you switch it, this is the part you write down so you can tell somebody you learned something today. If you had me tuned out the whole rest of the time, focus back in, write this down. Paul goes on in in this text in Ephesians 5 to say in verse 8, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Find out what pleases the Lord. Here's the thing. When you pray, you pray about what pleases you. You've never asked God, God, what can I do for you? What pleases you? You're only asking about what you want, but you're not asking God, now that I am yours and I serve you, how do I live this life to please you? And your prayer life should be positioning you to ask for what you want to be in God and for him to show you which way to go, not for you to pick your own destination and expect God to just line it all up and give you what you want. You're not here to get what you wanted. If you still want what you wanted before you met Jesus, leave and go back to the world and see how that works out for you. We are now here to gain the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is built on righteousness. And it costs sacrifice because Jesus died to provide it, to bring you out of darkness into the light. So what happens when a light gets shined on you? Your dirt must be exposed. And if you won't confess it, God will humiliate you by making it public without you. Can I be honest? I told y'all already, I'm an adulterer. I didn't tell on myself. I didn't just get up one day and go, babe, we need to have a conversation. God put the light on. And the worst thing is I I married a woman with a gift of spiritual discernment who knew something wasn't right the whole time. (laughs) 
you, you know how that is when you're lying and somebody's just like, mm-hmm. They don't, they don't believe you. You ain't getting away with nothing. God sees it all. Until you can, listen, how do you get saved? If you will, I said at the beginning, I gave you the hint, if you will what? Here's the thing. You think the confession is only confessing that Jesus is Lord. But in order to confess that Jesus is Lord, you are also at the same time confessing that you're not. You have to admit your brokenness and humble yourself to the fact that you need a savior. And you've still been trying to be on equal status with, I'm going to get Jesus alongside me. And, and then, you know, I'm going to have his blessing as I go through life and accomplish what I'm meant to achieve. And you are full of mess. He's not co-signing your drama and your ignorance. He's never going to do that. Confession consumes greed. Because I can't confess my sin and then try to chase after it at the same time. Listen, I know I'm running over. Let me, let me, let me get this into you. Hallelujah. Addiction. What do they always tell you is the first step. I heard it, shout it out. Listen, fam, you are all addicts, and step one is confession. Admit you have a problem. Don't sit here acting like there's no sin and corruption in your life. You wouldn't have came up and needed Jesus in the first place if you all had it together. Stop acting like you're not broken. Stop pretending. Stop fronting. Stop telling us you are blessed and highly favored when you know you are broke, busted, and disgusted. That's what you want to be. Speak the truth as if though it, no, 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 no. You can speak those things that are not as if though they were when God has put a word in your heart, but you are not going to continue speaking at your dirt and calling it clean, but you ain't washing nothing. You have to be honest about your condition in order to begin the process of allowing God to clean you and transform you. But if you won't confess your greed and you're still being driven by your greed, then you are still in darkness, not in light. And until you shine the light on and say, I've got a problem, you can't get over it. And a greedy man is an idolater. Because whatever you're chasing after has now become your God and you can't serve God in money. You can't serve God in your love. You can't serve God in your position. You can't serve God and you can't serve both. You can't chase after what you want and be all in for God. They don't exist together. It's either him and the kingdom or it's the world. What happens to people who try to get both? You get spit out his mouth. You lukewarm, sorry, no good, lying, pretending, I can't do nothing with you. Depart from me, I never knew you. But I, I, I was holy. I cast out demons. I was, but you were one. Let, 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 let me help y'all real quick. Because I'm going to teach y'all something about confession. And I know I'm running over time. Judas Iscariot is one of the 12, right? Did he cast out demons? Yep. 
were people healed by. It says all 12 performed miracles. He did everything all the other apostles did. He had all the same power, all the same authority, knew all the same things Jesus taught him, but he was greedy. And then for 30 pieces of silver, he cashed out Jesus. Because Jesus got enough power to get out of it. He'll just have to establish his kingdom now. And I'm going to get paid, and then he'll still do what he do. Oh, wait. Jesus didn't flex on him. He let him beat him. Oh, wait. Jesus didn't establish an earthly kingdom. He let him crucify him. Then his greed turned to guilt. And instead of confessing it, he tried to fix it on his own. And that's what some of y'all are stuck at today. Instead of coming to God and confessing it, you're trying to fix it yourself. You're trying to take your blood money back to the priest and say, hey, can y'all take this back? (laughs) And then when he couldn't get him to take it back, what does the Bible say? Judas, in his guilt and in his shame, he hung himself. And some of y'all are on a spiritual noose right now. Because rather than admit to God you're broken and let him work with you, you would rather continue trying to hide it and cover it no matter how destructive it becomes for you. And because you won't admit you have a problem and confess, it is breaking you and tearing you apart. And it will kill you. And you will spend all this time in church and still end up in hell and it will have been time spent for nothing. Because you didn't allow God to come in and actually do the work he wanted to start in you. You have to open up the door of your heart and let him in to clean house. And if you let him in to clean house, you can't turn around and then say, now that the house is tidy, let me invite all my old friends back in. So you've got to cut ties and cut access to the things that you know tempt you. You got lust issues, you don't need to be alone with no lady or no other fellow. I was still talking to the men with both of those. Whatever it is you lusting after, you don't need to be alone with whoever it is. Say outstand. You know it's true. Because it's greed. It's all greed. You confess it to consume it. Last point, and I'm going to let you out of here. Greed is replaced when praise is released. Because you have to change your focus. Paul explains it to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6. He says, godliness with contentment is great gain or is a means of gain. You want to gain the kingdom of God, you have to change greediness for contentment to gain the kingdom. You have to be satisfied where you're at right now. You have to learn how to be satisfied where you are. Let let me help you do this. Um, I'm learning in this season to thank God for things that I would have never thanked him for before. Because I'm finding that some of the things I rebuke are actually being put there for my benefit. Well, this is an attack of the enemy. Not necessarily. We don't apply discernment because we try to judge everything by what's comfortable for us and what we want. 
Listen, some of the issues you have right now are there because they're to burn that greed out of you. Some of you are going through hard times and tribulations and difficulties, and they are a gift from God for you because they are refining you to be more like him. So that when you finally stop trying to chase after what you don't need and you let it go, he can bring you into something better. And so I'm learning in this season to see things through a different lens. And so when Pastor Steve has been going through this diagnosis, I first started going, this is an attack from the enemy. We rebuke this. And I'm changing my perspective. God, I thank you for multiple myeloma. What? No, I thank you. I thank you. I'm content with the process. I hate that my pastor is hurting and struggling. But I got to see Pastor Steve this week. I I got to put eyes on him. And I saw the spirit of the man that I've made my shepherd who I serve under. And I trusted him when I came to this church because I know a lot of rotten pastors. And and I came to New Life because I was like, they actually have someone who loves the Lord and is chasing after him with his whole heart. And when I saw him with my own eyes, I saw how much more wisdom and maturity and refinement was happening in him as a result of this process. And what I thought was them trying to strike the shepherd so that the sheep would scatter was actually God refining our shepherd so he would even be stronger to take this church through the next season we're about to go through. And I'm thankful for the process because God is trying to do something even in the fire, even in the disaster even in the storms. I've got to find a reason to be grateful for what we're going through because it's part of the purpose and plan of God. So I'm going to leave you with this. And then we're going to sing a song and y'all will get out of here so the, the next service can start and But I want to leave you with this last verse, and I want you to put this in your spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Stop being greedy and trying to get out of where you are because this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And if God wants to do something else in you, your job is to yield and say, yes, Lord. Do you need to be praying for healing? Or do you need to be praying to yield? Because you're not getting healed until God knows you're whole. Because that's when the faith can meet and touch in that point. Why heal you if you're still going to be broken on the inside? Y'all get what I'm saying? We just trying to make everything easier on us and that's not the way. Be content where you are. My God is able to deliver. 
no doubt. But even if he doesn't, do, do you still love him? Do you still want to do what pleases him? Will you still remain faithful? Replace greed with gain by becoming content. This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Because until you can be good with who you are and where you are and understand what you are, you're not ready to advance to another level. Stop running around here, oh, I want to get deeper. No, I don't like that class because they don't go deep enough. I need to get deeper. Go get a shovel. You don't need deep. You need right. You need holy. You need fundamentally sound doctrine. You need to give your heart to God. So we can talk about mystical, reciprocal indwellment, or you can come up here and confess that you're broken and say, Lord, fix me. Amen. So in this moment, as we sing this last song and we transition out, I want you to focus on where you are. Thank God for where you are. Be honest about who and what you are. And allow the Lord to actually begin that good work in you and see it through to your salvation. Amen.